You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Pod- on, on the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. If you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Hey everyone, welcome to Major Spoilers, your weekend edition. Major. So glad to have you here. Matthew is here. Rodrigo is here. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, future people, Stephen. Hey. (laughs) So glad to have you both here this weekend. I know you guys have been practicing your your rhymes and your lyrics for both Etrigan and the Swamp Thing, or Swampy T, as I guess he's known. Since he's an 80s character... Swampy Since he's an '80s character, Matthew, does he wear like a, a, a one of those uh, hats on uh, sideways, like the the velvet hats, <laughs> the silk hats? Well, first of all, his Adidas got no laces, like Run DMC, <laughs> and he wears his hat backwards. And I think he's got a great big thing on a chain around his neck, and it's a big gold recycling symbol. <laughs> Reduce, <laughs> reuse, bitches. <laughs> Listeners, if you want to know what this is all about, you better go check a Wednesday show where we talked about Saga the Swamp Thing. And uh, during one of our inopportune moments of computer malfunctionery, Rodrigo and Matthew decided to have a little fun. So uh, go check that out. <laughs> yeah. This weekend, though, Some you know what? DJs I- are in the hizzy. <laughs> I am the hizzy. Oh. <laughs> That's I deep over. the hizzy. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) wiki this is let's see the day that this is released this will be my 14th day with absolutely no vacation or no time off uh just because of all the craziness that we have going on at my job and so i think i need a vacation i think i need a vacation no it wasn't snowpocalypse it's actually we have so much production and schoolwork and deadlines and everything going on that uh, uh, there's no time off. I mean, last weekend, Saturday, I spent at basketball all afternoon. Uh, we streamed that with the B2 network. And then they had asked us mm-hmm. kind of last minute if we would do this Kansas Cup college wrestling tournament and broadcast that. And so we spent all day Sunday there. And so that pretty much shot that weekend. 
And then, of course, Snowmageddon brought on its own uh, difficulties and issues. And then uh, today I'm back at another basketball. No, wait. Today I'm in either a basketball game right now as you're listening to this, or I am greeting a bunch of potential students. So it's crazy. Hello. I'm Dr. Schleicher. <laughs> you may remember me from such movies as Bloody Mess on the Highway. Yes. And All Cowboys Bottoms Up. You know, there there have been times <laughs> where I know that uh, that it's a long time between breaks, and superheroes have to have the worst yeah. part of it. You know, where it doesn't seem like they get any time off. Mm-hmm. Or or do they? Do they, Matthew? Have, do you know of any instances? I know there was a, there was a uh, Justice League International story where Booster mm-hmm. and um and Blue Beetle purchased an island and they were going to turn it into a resort and of course that turned out to not be <laughs> an <laughs> island <laughs> nor a resort and uh right. uh you know that was an attempt at a vacation way back in the uh, early 90s it seemed like Wizard and Amazing Heroes and all these magazines were publishing swimsuit editions of you know the X-Men on vacation and you'd see them wearing baggy trunks and you'd see the Hulk wearing purple Purple swimming pants and speedos, yeah, yeah, awful, Ugh. yeah. But but do do heroes get a vacation? Do we ever see heroes take vacations? Yeah, that we call it death. <laughs> but oftentimes, you Peter Parker had that long vacation where uh, Ben Riley took over for him. Yeah. The thing about superheroes is, well, it, because of Franklin Richards changing the entire time stream of the Marvel universe, uh, time is wrong. So Spider-Man can go seven years between Christmases, our right. time, right, and have it still be that same time. So I think that the the moments, well, honestly, there aren't a lot of things that happen on vacation. You know, it's you're not going to have Sun Boy versus the Snow Cone Vendor. No, this, these are things that don't happen. But a couple of, aside from the Kui 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 issue, there are a couple of stories where, you know, superheroes are taking time off and all hell breaks loose. Do you remember uh, the when the Vision and the Scarlet Witch were married? No, that must have been a Marvel thing. Rodrigo, do you know about that? Yeah. Um, I don't think so. They I mean, took, I know that they did get married at some point. They they had like a 12-issue series, the Vision and the Scarlet Witch, and one issue was one month real time. So they took them through a year of their life with downtime. And, you know, at one point they needed to pay taxes, you know, so it was a year of their life. And these things happened in and around it involving Wonder Man and Magneto and hitting of microphones like that. Um, but I think to the most for the most part, where the superheroes go on vacation doesn't really matter. You remember Bruce took vacation with uh Dick and Tim at the end of 52. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. For disappeared for like a year. And I always wondered what people thought about, you know, the fact that this guy was going away with two young men, none of which, <laughs> neither of which are actually related to him. I'm just saying, you know, oh, it's in their adoption papers. Dick yeah. There's got to be. Yeah, shut up. There's got to be some <laughs> adoption agent in Gotham city. Who's like, uh, that Wayne guy called again, and th- this is like his ninth kid. Are, are we going to investigate this? Or <laughs> Hey, Mr. Wayne just donated um, $10 million to the Gotham City Orphanage Fund. Of course, he can take any kid that he oh, wants. But, but Mrs. Right. Brown and Mrs. Brown wants to know what happened to her lovely daughter. And um, Quiet, you. Here's what I want you to do, Jenkins. 
I want you to find all the dark haired young supple boys that you can find. And you line them up for Mr. Wayne. And you keep feeding him dark haired boys until he's happy, see? The Batman, the uh. Chicken Hawk Man, but in either case, uh, I liked. Oh, God, I had it and I lost it. I liked an episode. It was a Legion issue, actually. Where the Legion just had some downtime and we saw the characters going and doing their thing. And, you know, Starboy and Dream Girl were just hanging out. And Sunboy was playing Dungeons and Dragons. And Block was wandering around trying to find a way to ask the White Witch out on a date. It was just an episode that took place in their downtime. Right. And it worked really well because we'd never seen it before. And I think the reason that it works really well is because we'd never seen it before. Well, I, I wonder if you are a superhero. And you have the ability to go anywhere and everywhere that you want. Where do you go on vacation? I mean, you've probably, you know, if you're if you're Iron Man, you've been all over the world Got five or six times. What do you do on your time off? If you are, let's pick a minor character who's not extremely rich or filthy rich. Let's say um, Kyle Rayner. Let's say Kyle Rayner, the comic book artist. What does he do on his time off? I mean, he could go to Oa. I mean, that's Masturbate. great. <laughs> What's that? He masturbate incessantly. <laughs> well, but see, if if you were a superhero. He's a comic artist. If you are able to go anywhere and do anything, is your time off just staying at home? Are you Clark Kent? You're just like, Could I'm going to go stay at the, at the Smallville farm. I'm going to go home with Mom and Pa Kent and just hang out there for a week and not do anything. And have a... Have what's obviously a root beer, so you don't have to pulp an entire run of my covers. But th- to some degree, I think that's true of Superman. I think it depends on the character. Like Green Lantern, uh-huh. Hal Jordan doesn't ever take downtime. Right. And, you know, Guy Gardner's not a vacation kind of guy. You give him a couple of beers and he comes back out. Plus, you know, anybody with a ring right now doesn't get time off until people get sick of the whole thing in 2013. Uh, that's actually when it happens. Hello, future people. But I think the question really isn't, you know, where do superheroes go on vacation? It's why don't the superheroes go on vacation? Why don't we see, like, Peter Parker, what's he going to do on his downtime? Sure, he's got his new girlfriend, the the roller derby cop. Right. But, you know, is Peter Parker on vacation necessarily going to s- going to move books. I remember one story where there was a barbecue at, uh, this was at a point where a Harry Osborne wasn't insane. There was a barbecue at Harry's and people came and Flash Thompson was there and Liz Allen was there and all the people from high school. And it was a really cute issue because it had a whole bunch of, you know, interdrama and somebody ran off and got lost in the woods. And Peter Parker being Spider-Man leapt up into the trees and just swung through the trees and found this missing person in like two minutes flat. And then it turned out that she actually ran away and wanted to get lost, Mm. you know, so it turned into, you know, it turned into something different, but I think that, you know, just what do you do with your downtime is kind of a limited concept. It's like, Oh, look, Batman has a run in his tights. Sure. That joke plays once, but, you know, you're not going to have entire arcs based on where does Batman buy his tights. Well, you know, I think um, Power Girl at one point tried to take time off. And this this generally is what happens when a superhero takes time off. They go to, um, 
uh, San Sebulba or wherever the uh, fictional or what is it Malta San Malta or whatever that <laughs> island is in uh, Corto Maltese Corto Maltese <laughs> that fictional <laughs> island in the DC yeah. universe and something break you know something happens while they're on vacation where they have to intercede in in some way and um, yeah. I can understand that if you want to take the character. But you were talking uh, the other day in one of the other shows about how there are so many different Avengers titles and there's all these heroes are Avengers. Why not just say, hey, there are um, actually 257 monthly Avengers titles. Wow, that's a lot. It's a wonder that Marvel makes any money with all those books. Um, Same age Joe Lewis was when he fought Rocky Marciano. (laughs) But I'm wondering, though, (laughs) couldn't you just take an Avengers title and it's like, okay, uh, Captain Rogers, it's your turn to go into vacation rotation. We'll see you in a month. And then you just see him disappear and he goes off and does his thing. And that allow you to rotate another person into the core title or something like that. Well, I I think... I Go think ahead, that Rodrigo. in in books with rotating, I think in books with rotating rosters, you do get a little bit more of that, but it usually doesn't go past, you know, when that character comes back. Hey, what have you been up to? Oh, just taking some time off, and then it cuts to them like gunning people down in a beach, probably. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it's that sort of thing. It's like no, on on any incarnation of Heroes for Hire, some of those guys were probably taking time off. Yeah. You know, there was an excellent, and I forget which issue it was. I think it was in Volume Two of Atomic Robo. One of the big killing machine guys that's part of the Robo team. He was forced to go on vacation, and they showed exactly what happened on his vacation, where he got wrapped up in all this spy stuff and was killing and doing all that stuff, kind of like what Rodrigo said. And when he comes back, he's like, "Wait, I don't want to come back from vacation yet. I'm having too much fun." And Shot of the beach, killing people. <laughs> I wish I could remember what uh, what issue that was. Matthew, what were you going to say? I'm going to do a quick search and see if I can find that. Here it is. You right search. Volume I, two. Rodrigo kind of made my two, point. Volume two, The Dogs of War, uh, Atomic Robo, Volume Two, Dogs of War. It's called Jenkins Goes on Vacation. There you go. Yeah. When it comes to, I think the super the superhero archetype specifically, but comic storytelling in general. When you're telling those quieter stories, sometimes it's hard to balance it out. And let's say, you know, if you're going to tell a three-issue arc about something that happened to, you know, the Bronze Otter on his vacation. Right. By the way, the Bronze Otter, copyright 2011, Matthew Peterson. If you steal it, I will kill you. Um, you have to take into account the fact that comic book readers come in for something Interesting. So what are you saying about the Bronze Otter on vacation? Are you talking about, you know, is he decompressing from his endless battles with the Black Rhino? Uh, copyright 2011, Matthew Peterson. Or is he, you know, getting over the fact, you know, his, his terrible breakup with his girlfriend, uh, Mary Sue? Copyright 2011, Matthew Peterson. <laughs> or, you know, what are we doing with it? I think that to some degree the big characters have more room for this. When you have six monthly titles and you're Batman, it's easier to have that moment where you take a couple of supple teenage boys off to an island and no one asks and you don't tell. But it's a little more difficult, say, for the Texas Twister to figure out what he's doing on his downtime because the Texas Twister really doesn't have any uptime. I think that, you know, to some degree, I miss the stories where... You know, the X-Men would hang around the mansion and play baseball or, you know, the Avengers would have their their poker night where 
They'd all right. go over to the things place and, you know, they'd play cards. But that stuff is, is flavor text in a manner of speaking. It's not the mechanic that makes the card play. Right. It's something that describes how the card plays to use a, a magic reference for Rodrigo. Oh, thanks. Hey, <laughs> I like to bring you in. Kids like it when you're topical. Yeah. Yeah. Magic. Charlie Sheen. Oh, 1994. Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, superheroes taking, taking time off is what it is. I mean, it is a way to just very, very briefly show their human side or show that they actually can't catch a break or show that they actually don't want to take vacation in the case of, you know, Batman or Hal Jordan or, some other guys were just total workaholics about being superheroes. Captain Ultra, um, Texas Twister. Yeah, I mean, there's there are Smithville Thunderbolt. We've seen Matthew Peterson. We we've seen plenty of stories in which a character is kind of forced to take time off because nothing's happening, and what they do with that time. I think there's. Um, I remember at least one Flash story where the Flash doesn't have anything to do, so he's just like running around basically trying to find something to do and he can't find anything to do. And that's Mm -hmm. that one shot story is pretty funny and interesting, but you can't make a whole uh, series out of it. So every once in a while to break things up, it makes sense. Do you guys, have you guys read all the Sandman trades? No, not yet. Later on in the Sandman, and I think it's like volume seven, maybe there's a road trip where dream and delirium Rent a car and drive across the country. Yay. Wow! Yeah, and it's it's exactly what you you know you <laughs> think it might be. It turns out to be a search for the the lost member of the endless. I'm not going to spoil it for you because we'll probably review that in the future. But it's something where that road trip ends up being the MacGuffin that leads them to what's actually going to happen. It it basically puts things in motion. But it isn't the focal point of it. It's, you know, it's the cute little aside. And then we get to the point where Morpheus is like, oh, crap, this just got real. Yeah. Well, you know, there's another. um... I mean. Go ahead, Rodrigo. No, no, I was going to say road trips, vacations, you know, forced leave of absence. There are good opportunities for you to see their characters out of their skin to a certain degree out of their comfort zone out of their comfort zone out of what or rather see the characters out of your comfort zone That's you know what point. does spider-man do when he has time off what like masturbate apparently <laughs> exactly. his girlfriend comes <laughs> up with netflix yep you know yeah it's, you know stuff like that it's like it, it it is telling of someone you know what they do with their time off you know even the the different versions of each superhero. You look at Superman. Under some writers, when Superman has time off, he goes and visits the farm and visits Ma Kent and has some apple pie and, you know, plows all the fields in like 15 seconds while he's there. And because it's always harvest when he shows up. Um, yeah, it's, it's always harvest in Kansas. It, it really is. Yeah. It's a cold harvest. <laughs> um or under certain writers, he goes to the Fortress of Solitude and broods. Why can't I find? Could be worse. Too. He could go to the Fortress of Brutitude and Saul. 
Yep. And masturbate, I'm sure, is what your next phrase was going to be. <laughs> yeah. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. That's that's what I meant by fruit. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, of it's of funny because it's true. The well, alien no. menace of the food is just horrible. But you know, speaking of sex, you know, there was man. that whole there was that whole arc or that whole um, series of the boys where they went undercover to see where the you know the superheroes would always claim they're off in deep space fighting some alien menace oh. that would cause that would uh, require the heroes and the villains to team up and fight them off. But in reality, they're all at uh, Secret Island having a uh, naughty, naughty spring break. Yeah. The hero-gasm. Yes, and I'm sure some of them were masturbating, Matthew. Uh, many of them, from what I understand. I think we should title this episode, How Many Times Can We Say Masturbation in a Single Episode? Kyle <laughs> Rayner! <laughs> Kyle Rayner and masturbation, really kind of the same thing. <laughs> so, okay, so that's the hero side. The heroes take a take a vacation. Uh, on the flip side, mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, uh, last episode I was reading um, Action Comics 897 with Lex Luthor in it. And Lex Luthor is somebody that, <laughs> at the heart... I'm sorry. I thought you were going to explain about Lex Luthor masturbation. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew, Matthew. Get a hold, get a hold of yourself, Matthew. But not like that. <laughs> no, not like that either. All I'm saying is he is already a bald. Never mind. Well, so Lex Luthor, we classify him as a villain. I classify him as a jerk. Well, a jerk, okay, too. Um, do you think Lex Luthor? Well, I mean, he's been president. He's been all these other things. Big businessman. He doesn't see himself as a villain. He doesn't see himself as a bad guy. He sees himself as trying to save humanity from that alien menace. But he's a brilliant scientist. And it seems like instead of trying to take over the world for his own reasons, why isn't he using his science for good? At what point does, you know, there's the schizo villain. But what about these scientist-type villains like Luthor or like Savannah or like some of the guys in the Marvel Universe who I can't think of right now because, quite frankly, I don't read Marvel? What makes them trip <laughs> out and decide to go bad? Rodrigo, the go. The bad thinker. Doom. Um, yeah, Doom's it, a good example. It, it, yeah, it, it really depends. Some of those guys just start out evil. I think... Usually with scientist types, you have two kinds of scientists. You have like the literal mad scientists who are just crazy and have right. some crazy idea like, I'm going to make every plant kill every person like we've seen. Mm-hmm. And like, then you like have you just, and then you have just the really selfish ones like Doom. I mean, Doom is only, sure, Doom is totally nuts, but he's completely functional. He's just incredibly selfish. He wants all the power, all the glory. Even more than Hypnotoad. So, you know, he he puts 100% of his resources and everyone in Latveria starves so that he can get what he wants. And then the Fantastic Four get in the way and he has to fight them. Um, or, you know, you have people like Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy was, you know, at least in some incarnations, an awesome scientist who then, you know, is now using her either 
sexy kissing time or plant powers, depending on what's going on. Or sexy plant kissing time powers. Or sexy plant or sexy zombie plant kissing powers to get her way. And it's really just, you know, actually any Batman villain is kind of a toss up because they go back and forth as to the level of crazy. But yeah, I think with science types, you're, you're either crazy and completely driven to some ridiculous goal or absolutely selfish. Matthew? Mm. Yeah, I can see that. Well, specifically in the Marvel Universe with the crazy wackies and the, the zoopy doopies, a lot of times what you'll find are Marvel characters like the leader and the mad thinker and, you know, Tyrannus. A lot of these guys are mocked or believe that they're mocked. Doom, for instance, is pretty much the only difference between Doom and Reed Richards is sheer arrogance. Dr. Doom believes that he is the smartest and the best and the, the brightest. And I think it's telling when you look at, say, the John Byrne issue of Fantastic Four, where the Fantastic Four overthrew Doom, and it turned out that his successor was this corrupt jackanapes who, you know, ran the country into the ground, bled the country dry, and they realized that the Latverians loved Doom because Doom, A, Solved hunger, there was no crime, the trains ran on time, everything in Latveria was perfect as long as you were willing to accept the fact that you were under the steel jack, you know, jackboots of this dictator. At that point, he would treat you wonderfully. He protected his subjects because they were lesser beings. And I think isn't, that there's a lot that of that. Kind of the same on. theory and the same thought that goes in with, um, um, Dark Shazam, what's his name? Um, Black Adam. Black Adam, yeah. I was going to say there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of that in recent Lex Luthor portrayals where Superman is this alien interloper. And I have the hiccups again. I only get the hiccups like halfway through the Saturday show. Lex wants to protect humanity against, you know, this alien thing who doesn't understand them, but his own arrogance shoots him in the foot. There's a really, really disturbing episode or issue of Superman circa the burn revamp in 86, 87, where he sits in a diner outside. I think it's like 60 miles of Metropolis is the name of the story sits in a diner and he offers a waitress a million dollars to sleep with him. Mm -hmm. And the waitress spends the whole issue agonizing whether she should take the million dollars to sleep with this, this person. And she decides, yes, she's going to do it. At which point she realizes Lex is gone. He was just screwing with her. He just wanted to mess with her head. He wanted to, you know, get her to reject her lifelong, you know, her marriage, her principles and everything for money and then leave her with the realization that she was ready to do this. And, you know, that, that moment of these are lesser beings, you know, they are here for my, my entertainment to serve me, I think kind of comes into it too. In the Marvel Universe right now, intelligence, science, translates in almost all cases into a huge, broad-based, polymathic knowledge of everything. Hank Pym is an entomologist, for God's sake, but he's building, he built artificial intelligence. He builds, you know, dimensional portals. He builds all of these things as an entomologist. Reed Richards can do anything. Uh, Bruce Banner. Uh, a physicist who studies gamma radiation also built this unbreakable force field that allows you to go toe to toe with the Hulk. Mm-hmm. 
you know, these characters are kind of the flip side of guys like the leader who have that general intellect, but they have a disdain for people. Yeah. I think the real difference is the difference between Reed Richards and doom is that arrogance. The difference between uh, Sam Stearns, the leader and Bruce Banner is that Sam Stearns doesn't care who he hurts. Bruce Banner can't stop thinking about who he might hurt. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, you know, respect for not necessarily even respect, but your esteem for the other people in your comic book world has a lot to do with whether you're a hero or a villain. Yeah. Selfishness. uh, Yeah. yeah, A lot of it is. Now we know that, that Lex Luthor is extremely rich. I would imagine doom is as well. Uh, but you know, there are some lesser scientists Dude, he's, um, the, he's the king of a European duchy. Yeah. He's got gold out the ass, literally. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, and I'm sure he mastered cool. with it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you've got some lesser scientists like Savannah and some of the... Uh, doom does that not we... masturbate. <laughs> doom has doom bots. <laughs> um, why don't scientists like Savannah or some of these others that have that can create incredible world-changing devices... Why aren't they just uh, selling out? Why aren't they pulling a, a Bill Gates or a Steve Jobs and saying, hey, guess what, world? This is what you need. Go spend some money. Make me super rich, and I'll just by being rich, I'll be able to get whatever I want. Did you just call Bill Gates a super villain? <laughs> he pretty much is. Um, I think, I think hey, that he's they trying do, to stamp though. out po- polio. He can't be a villain, can he? It's it's kind of I mean that in and of itself is is a, an origin that a lot of villains share of you know I'm just a scientist I'm doing science things I'm going to help the world and in comes my boss and he's like your mind control and or plant and or teletransport yes, and or flying technology and or animal speaking technology is crazy dude so you are fired and then they become a supervillain because they are sad and they have mm-hmm. to pay their rent. Well, in, in the Silver Age, Lex Luthor became a villain because he lost his hair. And in the Silver Age... So if, it, if Hair the Club Mad for Men Thinker, had been around in the Silver Age, Lex Luthor may not be the problem he, he, he is today. not just be client. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I <laughs> he mean, probably he, owned the company. It was... There was a lot of subtext there, but the subtext was that Superman essentially emasculated him. Right. And the same thing is true in the mainstream Marvel universe. Some of the really big guys, the guys who, you know, your Luthors and your Dooms and your uh, Norman Osborns to a slightly lesser degree, the guys who have that personal grudge, it's all about that, you know. I don't know that Lex Luthor would necessarily have to be a villain in a world that didn't have Superman. I could see Lex Luthor being kind of a, you know, a Gregory House superhero in a world like, let's call it Earth 3, where there was no Superman to fight. Right. Where there was no Superman to force him to be, you know, to allow him to be a bastard in a way that was slightly less malevolent. English as a second language. Please stand by. But I, I find that the problem with the supervillains tends to be too many motives in some cases. Each 
writer wants to give somebody, you know, oh, well, it turns out that uh, Professor Zoom is motivated by jealousy of the Flash. No, Professor Zoom is motivated by love of the Flash, but uh, sometimes he, w- he went back in time to before he was supposed to, and then he realized that a Flash killed him. And no, it turns out that Professor Zoom is motivated by love of Iris Allen, so he had to kill... No, wait, that's not true either. Let's take that all and put that together. I think that, you know, uh, over time, some of these big villains like your Professor Zooms and your Sinestros have had so many motivations that it's a question of, you know, one from column A and one from column B. Well, yeah. the vul- and you, the run that, in- you run into that with pretty much everything. right. But the vulture over in Spider-Man, is he not a scientist? Yes. Uh, yeah, the, the original vulture, not the new cannibal vulture. He has built a device that will allow you to fly. Yep. Man, people would be buying that left and right. You want that for $10,000? Yeah, let me have it. Bing, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And again, people say Bing, money can't buy ching Bing, boom 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 That's the... Uh, I buy three. You know, people say money can't buy you everything, but a lot of what drives a lot of these villains is this need for power and when you have that money it gives you the power to do things it gives you the power to jump up to the top of a um uh, organ transplant list just because of who you are it gives you the power to say i want this company squashed and you squash that company so you know, to just basically say, I'm just going to go rob banks, and hopefully that punk Spider-Man doesn't foil my attempt this time, just seems ludicrous. And so then, then well, that comes well, into that, that, that insanity. The vulture, though, the vulture, though, is a the vulture, though, is a different example. The vulture's deal, at least as far as I'm aware, was he had an ability to basically steal people's life force and turn himself younger. I don't know mm-hmm. if that was something that was added later and that wasn't part yeah, of the original yeah. character. That was later. Okay. But that yeah, actually yeah. makes him a particularly strong character because he has a strong motivation to go around and assault people. Well, back in the 80s, and I think it was under, um, I want, I'm going to say Engelhart, and I know I'm going to be wrong. Uh, Stern, Roger Stern, wrote a Vulture origin story that was fascinating in that Abe Toombs, the Vulture, was like 80 years old. And he was working in a field with men half his age, and he created the flying harness, and they had screwed him so many times that he didn't want to share it with the company, and his partner eventually did hose him, and he went into villainy basically to get even with this guy, and he found that he enjoyed the mayhem, and he enjoyed the running around and, you know, the flying, and the fact that his flying harness made him at 83 feel like a man of 30 again. Mm-hmm. So with the vulture, and I think, you know, the, the later stealing powers came into it. It was kind of a thrill killer thing with him. Vulture liked, you know, he was, he was that speed junkie. He was the, you know, the woo buzzkill. Woo, what are we going to do now? I'm the vulture. Woo, Mountain Dew. I'm going to ride a kayak in a quickie mart. Woo. And, and you see that a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, villains. Just like the heroes, a lot of villains that writers like that people are into get retconned to be more interesting, to have deeper motivations. And sometimes they are just royally screwed up in the process. But I mean, look at, look at Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn, you know, the Green Goblin didn't used to be just super duper, dippity duper crazy. 
He was just a criminal. And then, you know, they made him crazier and they made him crazier. They made him like the Joker to Spider-Man. And then they made him the Joker and the Lex Luthor to Spider-Man. And now, you know, Norman Osborn is like the most, like the single most important villain or was the biggest villain in the Marvel Universe for a while. Just because people liked him, I think. Just because the writers were into him. He was Hannibal Lecter with corduroy hair. And- exactly, exactly. I mean, he was like... You you want a character stretch? You want to see a character stretch thin? Look at Norman Osborn in the early two thousands and mm-hmm. probably since the nineties, really, because they wanted him to be everything to Spider Man that say Batman has among spread among five villains and Superman has spread spread among three villains. Mm-hmm. You know they were like, oh, you know what? There's actually not that much to Venom other than you know his super cool suit. So. Let's go back to the Green Goblin well. Let's de-goblinize him, but make him even more evil. Which, you know, yeah. is a legitimate choice, but it is, it, it goes to show that, you know, they will change a character, they will update a villain, and sometimes they will update him so much that he's basically irrecognizable from the original incarnation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, guys like Venom, I've, I've whined about this before. The problem with the Dark Mirror, uh, villain specifically, you know, uh, the Venom is an evil Spider-Man and, you know, whomever is the evil Batman. I love the Wrath, which is odd. But when you have that character, you're starting from a point that says, okay, Rodrigo, you know Spider-Man, right? Right. Okay, this is an evil Spider-Man. <gasps> well, what happens if I say to Schleicher, who doesn't read Marvel, hey, what? Schleicher, What's you know Spider-Man, Marvel? right? Uh, I think I've yeah. heard of that guy maybe once. Yeah. Flies so around, Venom, web thing, I heard a song. Part of the reason that Venom is in, is evil and part of the reason that Venom is so ubiquitous for the last 15-odd years is Venom, that concept of an evil Spider-Man, can go lots of different places because Spider-Man is a multifaceted character. So some people can't stand Mac Gargan as Venom because it's not Eddie Brock. In Eddie Brock, you see one true Venom. He's the only Venom who ever mattered ever. By the way, the new Venom is Flash Thompson. You heard. I was going to ask what. It, what but, no, it's actually been around. But what did you guys think of that? <laughs> I, I think that it is indicative of a huge problem in comics, and that is, if you hang around a superhero long enough, you get superpowers. Yeah, you'll be either a hero or a villain. <laughs> it's the it's it's the well, Rick Jones continuum. Yeah, it really is. You name me one member of the Spider-Man family who hasn't, who isn't a villain. His first girlfriend, Liz Allen, her brother is the Molten Man. Uh, his second girlfriend, Betty Brandt, her ex-husband was the first Hobgoblin. Flash Thompson is now Venom. Uh, the one girl, Sally Avril, became a superhero and broke her neck. Everybody who ever met Peter Parker, even the for Osborne. a few seconds, yeah, all have superpowers. Even Mary Jane was a superhero for 20 minutes until they copped out. Mary Jane was jackpot. You can't tell me anything else because no other reveal makes the character mean a damn thing. And they copped out on it and they wouldn't do it. And then they, they gave her a mini series and God help us all. It was awful. But I think that, you know, that's something else to take into account. Why would flash Thompson want to be venom? Well, because the suit gives him powers that he can't while he's being currently crippled in his uh, wheelchair. Uh, that's true. Yeah, he did lose but, his legs. 
but yeah. part of the reason why Eddie Brock became Venom is because the suit and Eddie Brock had it out for Spider-Man. Right. You know, that's that's a lot stronger than, you know, if the suit just turns you evil or if the suit is in complete control, then it doesn't actually matter who Venom is. Very true. And Flash Thompson loves Spider-Man. Flash Thompson hates Pete Parker, or used to hate Pete Parker. I don't know if he does anymore. And even then, I, you know, well, I guess it depends. Who knows how it's been retconned. But I yeah. seem to recall issues in which Flash Thompson came around, and, you know, now that they were both older, he was like, yeah, you know what, nerd, you're okay, kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, and that was in the 70s. I mean, anything could have happened these days. Who knows what Mephisto retconned away? Yeah. You know, half the time when we meet a character, it's like, Oh, and this is their new status quo that we didn't tell you about. But go back to brand new day, and it all makes perfect sense. Thank you, drive through. You know, but <laughs> I think that I always used to tell Tom Boaz that when we got old, I would be the superhero who had to stop him because we went to college together, and because our general outlooks on the world were similar, but, you know, diametric. He was kind of introverted and, you know, antisocial. And I was, hi there, my name's Matthew. You want to hear some armpit farts? <laughs> you know, the, that makes that perfect Doom Richards rivalry. Right. You know, and, and now I realize that Steven was the evil one all along. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bald and i am uh, got a science background. No, uh, do you think Lex Luthor right. considers himself? I didn't mean to blow that through there and, you know, make your hair uh, fall out. Did uh, does Lex Luthor consider himself evil? Do you think? Do you think Doom considers himself evil, or do you think that's just what the other side puts upon him? And I ask that because my son and I are playing the like these yeah. silly fighting games with with styrofoam swords, and he's like, "Daddy, you be the bad yeah. guy, and I'll be the good guy." And I'm like, "Well, what makes me the bad guy? Just because you say you're the good guy? What if I'm the good guy and think that you're the bad guy?" See, Do you think this is why you're the villain, Stephen? <laughs> well, Black Adam is this way. Exactly. And he doesn't perceive himself as the bad guy. He just perceives himself as someone if, with an agenda, and all these other people keep getting in his way. I think. As, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, you go. Okay. I think, and and I don't know when it happened. Probably at the end of the Silver Age, a, a switch got turned, and they realized that nobody who we perceive to be evil actually thinks of themselves as evil. There are a few, you know, trans-dimensional evils, things that actually literally come from hell. They think of themselves as evil because they embody evil to a certain degree. Right. But, um, you know, Magneto forever was the leader of the, and I guess this would have been af even after the Silver Age, was the leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Mm -hmm, but yeah. why? Why would Magneto consider himself evil? And later on, you know, it, it eventually became just the Brotherhood of Mutants than just the Brotherhood. I like the, the explanation that Morrison gave that he did it ironically because people were going to think that mutants were evil. So he named themselves that basically as, you know, something to try and point out sure. the human, you know, the human uh, hypocrisy about mutants. Right. But even I mean, that's that's a retcon. And, oh, that's a big time retcon. Sure. Uh, and and really the the issue there is that um you know like when you look at a guy and, and i think there were like marvel always kind of had it right with guys like the punisher like namor like the hulk were like why aren't these guys villains well we're not saying they're not they're just interesting they're actually anti-heroes and you know i think every 
every guy that becomes a major villain either sees themselves as an anti-hero or just straight up doesn't care. Yeah. As uh, Major Spoiler's resident roleplay loony, I would like to take a moment. I am now going to first inhabit the mind of Victor Von Doom. Are you with me? <laughs> first, Victor Von Doom is from Europe and he has a slight accent, no matter what that guy or the Fantastic Four movies in. I, Victor Von Doom, am above concepts such as good and evil. Doom does what Doom must do. Doom doesn't think of himself as evil. Doom thinks of himself as better. Right. Above, you know, petty concepts of law, morality, justice. The man is a sovereign king of a nation. So, I mean, it's he wouldn't be the first person who decided, hey, I'm in charge here, and so I need ultimate power, and everything that I say is right. And, you know, people throw rocks in the streets, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, say, Idi Amin ever thought that he was evil. Right. Whereas Luthor, I think Luthor is that classic example of the villain of a piece always sees himself as a hero of his own story. Right. But there's a problem there, too, in that, you know, in the last 25 years... That has become pretty shop-worn in comics Mm -hmm. to where, you know, these days, I think it was uh, Bob Kirkman somewhere this week, maybe Guardians of the Globe. It was in Guardians of the Globe. They had a character who said, I've heard it said that the villain always believes that he's the hero of his own story. Well, screw that. I'm a villain. (laughs) You know, it's come to the point where we've gotten so much nuance into it that sometimes a guy who just comes out and, wants to blow up your neighborhood or use his innator to turn everything into bratwurst, that guy... Oh, you're such a schnitzel! You know, is, and that's the thing. If you look at some of the villains, some of the more interesting villains have those weird shadings, those modelings in them. Like um, the Mad Thinker did a run in New Warriors where he was actually their kind of a Hannibal Lecter vibe, but he was actually a guy who would tell them things. They'd go to the Mad Thinker and he'd be like, well, obviously, Clarice, in the Marvel Universe, you have to realize this. And they'd be like, holy crap, we didn't ever think of that. He's like, well, I am the thinker after all. Oh, yeah. but- and that's that's the same vibe that a calendar had going for the long Halloween. Yeah, right. Calendar, Yeah, calendar man exactly in the long Halloween. So... You you have villains who get that then that modeling that smattering of for a while the Juggernaut was an X man, right? I like that up to a point. In that Juggernaut is the kind of guy who Kane Marco does whatever it is that is beneficial for Kane Marco, and Kane Marco is a straight line guy. If there is something he wants, and there's three walls and a city bus. He's going to take that straight line through three walls in a city bus. Not because he wants to hurt people, not because he wants to destroy walls, because Kane Marco wants what's on the other side of those three walls in that city bus. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that, you know, you, that selfishness comes into play again, but then there's also, you know, like Magneto. Magneto is mostly a villain because his ideology is such that he wants his oppressed people not to you know to have equal footing, but he wants to be on top, and he wants to put the boot back on the neck of the people who had the boot on his neck, which yeah. is a perfectly human response. But it's also the thing that you know that puts him in the on the side of 
not nice because Dr. Xavier is like, oh, well, we, you know, turn the other cheek and bloody, bloody blue and Jesus metaphor here. Whereas, you know, Magneto is out there shooting people with big bits of metal and throwing the Golden Gate Bridge and ruining sequels. So <laughs> I think at this time, it's a it's a good time to announce that I'm officially starting the evil Institute of Evil. <laughs> and uh, we'll go I there. thought you already opened the Information Networking and Technology <laughs> Department. Didn't they Marvel, do that back in 94? Marvel teases the mystery men. Marvel sent out a teaser poster this past week with uh, the th- thing that on there that says, Who are the mystery men? And no, we're not talking about the shoveler or the uh, the, the Blue Raj or any the of those Blue guys. Raja. It all makes perfect sense if you understand history. What these guys are, the spleen, it looks like. The Sphinx. What it looks like, if you look closely in the background of one of those, Matthew, you probably know these guys more than I do. One of them looks like the Finn, and some people have speculated that um, uh, Marvel is reviving the Timely Comics mystery men from the 1940s, and they're all public domain characters now, so that they're going to revive them into a Marvel series. You uh, believe on that? Timely characters wouldn't necessarily be public domain per se, but I the guy in the back definitely looks a little bit like the Finn. Um, the guy in the foreground, and I may be wrong on this, the original Human Torch, Jim Hammond, used to have a gold collar and a little kind of medallion hanging from his chest on a mm-hmm. red bodysuit. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of looking at that, you know, in that shade, it, I'm wondering if that could be the original Human Torch. The guy second from left with the mask and the, the surgical mask and the, the fedora right. reminds me of Dr. Nemesis, who is, I think, a member of the X Club now, if I'm not mistaken. But there was a Golden Age Dr. Nemesis character who was kind of the Green Hornet, <clears throat> in a way, who ran around, you know, in a fedora hat and a weird mask, so... I would put money on that being the fin because there's no other reason for him to have big goggles and a fin on his head. Right. I don't know about the the bandage guy. The invisible man. I thought when I first saw this I thought, yeah, I thought maybe that we were finally going to get a conclusion or continuation of the 12. Mhm. But I, I'm afraid that train probably has sailed. Uh, I, don't know, I wonder I don't know though, who the woman I I wonder though if they do resurrect these characters. Let's just say that they do this. And, and to an extent, uh, DC did this recently with, or have been doing this in the last couple of years with Doc Savage and the Spirit. Um, the thing that makes, to me, Doc Savage and the Spirit and the Shadow and all of these characters really work in their universe is that you keep them in the time period in which they were created. Now, in the case with Doc Savage and the uh, Spirit and all these other uh, characters that they have going on in that uh, in that line, which has kind of really fallen apart, is that they created these characters in a world of no time, where you've got cell phones and gyrocopters and airships yeah. and computers and cell phones and steam-driven machinery all ex- coexisting two at the cell same phones. time. Yeah, two different. Because you got to have one to one to call and one to answer. Right, and cell phones and gyrocopters and cell and phones. Cell phones. It's like fire, a pith helmet. You need two. You got to have one to pith in and one to cover it with. So. <laughs> but so I mean, I, if I, they brought these mystery men back, would you rather mm-hmm. them stay in the 1940s time period in which they were created, 
and tell some fantastic stories like we saw in some of the old um, Iron Fist uh, stuff where they, we were looking at some of the uh, yeah. other 12 yeah. characters? Or do you bring these all suddenly nice. into the forefront and they're standing side by side with uh, Reed Richards because, you know, if this Captain guy is America. the original original uh, Human Torch, maybe the Fantastic Four needs somebody to step up to the plate? Uh, I'll stop with that. What, what um, do you do? Here's my thing. Recently, Marvel put out a series called Invaders Now! Right. In which the core members of the Invaders, all of whom had been dead for a while, were shown to have not be dead and back together in something that Alex Ross loved. Mm-hmm. And it was the Human Torch who had been dead and Toro who had been dead and Bucky who had been dead and Captain America who had been frozen in a block of ice, sort of dead, and Namor the Submariner, who's an alien and essentially, in you know, timeless. It bothered me that none of these characters, these 80-year-old characters, were dead. It bothers me that Hal and Barry are back, and that now the Justice League has nobody to actually underline the mortality of this. So if this is, and I don't know that it is, a period no, piece with old school timely characters. Yeah. I want it to be a period piece. I want it to be either something separate of the Marvel universe in sort of a noir take, or I'd like it to be, you know, forties tales, but you know, you mentioned the timely characters being in public domain, major timely characters included Namor and Captain America right. and the human torch I don't know that they're necessarily in public domain. I think they're younger than Mickey Mouse, mm-hmm. which means that they're still they're still they're still thingied, more than likely. Maybe it's just me. Well, I'm just well, saying, well, it depends, for me, I guess it depends on. For me, if if Marvel came out with a series called The Mystery Men or whatever that they're going to call this, I mean, there's a whole problem with calling your title Mystery Men. Um, yeah, but I would rather it see set in the time period. And quite frankly, I have grown to not even be interested in what's going on in the spirit and the uh, the doc savage uh, books anymore and whatever yeah. first wave first wave series that's going on because There's the thing that made lateness. these characters special was well the lateness is one of them but what made them special was that they existed in that time period and dc tried doc savage in the future way back in the 90s and that fell on its ass and they're cr- trying to do Marvel the same thing Marvel tried it now. in the present in the 70s yeah, and so it's just like, eh, you know, if you're going to do this, keep it in keep it in the time period, and I think people will enjoy that quite a bit. Rodrigo, do you want to weigh well, in on this, like or do you have no comment? Indiana Jones. Exactly. My comment is that I think that this would probably be best as a period piece or as something separate from the Marvel Universe. You know, just looking at this cover, it looks a little grittier, it looks a little... You know, nobody is flying. Nobody's eyes are glowing. You know, I would like, even if it was a modern take, I would like to see this just be separate from the Marvel Universe. Show me five cool guys doing cool things that does not involve pin particles or unstable molecules or... or unstable particles. Or unstable or Super Scroll. Actually, if I will make one allowance. If they include Super Scroll, I'm still on board. <laughs> Let's jump over to the Twitter and get some questions from our listeners. Very rapid fire, and you guys answer. First one: What movie needs to be made available on DVD that currently is not? Matthew. 
Uh, I don't know about a movie, but the 1966 Batman television series definitely needs to be made available on DVD. It is, it is very difficult to find. It is very difficult to find Master of the Flying Guillotine um, in a serviceable DVD that has the appropriate regional coding. I would like. I would like that, please. Um, I'm going to say. I don't know. I, I don't. Legends everything I want is already on DVD. They never should go. have canceled <laughs> Who has the best rogues gallery? Who has the worst rogues gallery? Rodrigo, um, I think that, you know, I think the X-Men has a really good rogues gallery, which is, um, the, and, and the problem with it is, is that it's good enough that eventually they all become X-Men, you know, Mystique is, is a character that people really liked, and then she becomes an X-Men and Magneto is great and he becomes an X-Man and, you know, even the juggernaut was basically for all intents and purposes, just a really slow, gigantic bullet. Um, you know, even he eventually became an X-Men. So I think that a a good way of gauging who has a good Rose Gallery is how many of them unfortunately become heroes, even if I don't actually like that trend. Okay. Matthew? Best Rogues Gallery ever anywhere of all time, Dick Tracy. Uh 60 years of misshapen some bitches. Of all sizes, shapes, genders, I mean, ethnicities. There are characters in Dick Tracy who are horrible, horrible, horrible people. And it's fun to see them, you know, get mown down. And it's real time. So Flat Top buys it in 1932, but Flat Top Jr. is back 15 years later. Gotta love that, that family connection. What about worst? As far as worst, worst for me. I'm not a good person to ask this, but I would have to say probably it's a toss-up between either the Legion of Superheroes, who literally had to take all their villains and stick them together in one big amorphous blob to try and get, you know, something that could stop 80 frickin' Legionnaires, or Daredevil, who has such luminaries as Ramrod, the Owl... The Stilt Man, Birdman, Birdman, Ape Man, Frog Man. Are you seeing a theme here? And the Death Stalker. <laughs> Not Death Stalker. That would be like, I love you very much. No, God. the Death Stalker. Daredevil, I mean, aside from I'm sure we probably would be emails Bullseye about that Elektra. comment if we had a written transcript to go with. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There are no transcripts here. I apologize uh, for the inconvenience. The Flash for me is, is falls in both the best and the worst. It's got some great yeah. uh, rogues that actually were very interesting, and then you've got some that I don't find very interesting at all. So I'm girder. Yes, and they've I'm certainly girder. with Flash specifically, they've really played into that. Yeah, they've created yes. the top tier, and then they've created like. The second tier, the guys who don't pay their union dues, <laughs> the rogue temps. Hey, Mirror Master's dead this week. Who we got? Double down. It, Stick him in there. Maybe, maybe inappropriate. Member of the Mile High Club, yes or no? Well, I've done it in Denver, and Denver is the Mile High City, right? So, yes. Nice. Yes, I am. Nice. Rodrigo? Nice. Schleicher gets in through a technicality, just yes. like oh. the actual act that he did in Denver. <laughs> 
Uh, which single issue comic is your holy grail? Matthew. For a long time, I would say Hulk 161, but about mm-hmm. 10, 12 years ago, my wife bought that for me. Um, after that, for a long time, it was Detective 479, which was uh, the one issue that actually reprinted the Odd Man story that Steve Ditko did way, way back during the uh, the DC implosion in 78. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are a lot of books that have vied for that top spot, but I think, uh, God, this is tough. Probably well, what do you define Delphor for you? What do you, what do you, fi- what do you define as your Holy Grail? Comic? <clears throat> I mean, what do you define as a Holy Grail? When someone says, what's your Holy Grail comic? What do you do that? Yeah. Do you make it as this is the hardest comic for me to find? This is a comic that I've always That's wanted the, to read but can't? Or this is one of the greatest, most yeah. expensive comics in the world, a la uh, Amazing Fantasy 15? I guess that's up to you. I'd say probably, possibly all of the above. For me, it's a matter of availability. Because I don't necessarily have the money issues in terms of buying comics, because I can put it in my hold bin and pay my boss a little bit at a time. Shut up, woman! I'm working here. But I I think, you know, books that I never see are problematic. And one of the books that I've never seen is Dell Four Color number 1173, which is essentially Twilight Zone number one. Mm-hmm. And that's a book that I've been looking for forever. Dell Four Color was was on and on and on and on. It ran forever. But finding any Dell book in decent in any condition, quite frankly, in the Midwest, but in decent condition is murder. And I could just, I could go online, I could go on eBay, but that takes some of the thrill of the hunt out of it. I want to find this book on my own terms without just going, excuse me, sir, I have unlimited funds. Why don't you just give me this comic book? So I think a Holy Grail is a book that you, that you want, that you've either had trouble finding or you can't afford or, you know, something that you would love to have, but for various reasons probably aren't going to or haven't had the access to. For me, there was uh, there are two issues that uh, that kind of fell into that category of I didn't get them. And I know it sounds so odd, but it's the Hellboy Starman Batman team up. Uh, it was a two issue series. The first issue I got, and I don't know why I never got the second issue, either the comic book store didn't get them in there was such a low print run that there was not a big distribution across the United States, or I moved. It was right in the period where I moved, and that usually throws off my comic collecting for a few weeks. It's, Took, it's I, under I spent Batman five years. I spent five years digging through back issue bins, including Gatekeeper Comic of Hobbies, and no one had a copy of it. Uh, finally, th- tracked one down on eBay, I believe, uh, and got that copy. <gasps> the other one was the... Uh, first appearance of Bart Allen, which was like Flash 99 or something like that. 91. Flash, one. Flash volume yeah, one, 3, 90, number 91. Which, whichever one it was. It was one that became very quickly, this was when I was living in Atlanta, and all the comic shops in Atlanta, became extremely hard to find. And again, that one took me about six or seven years to finally track down a copy in good condition that I wanted. And this is going to comic book shows and all these other things. Just never had a copy sitting around. So I have both of those right. now. And there is not a, you know, unless it is to have a complete run of the Silver Age Flash, which I'm working my way backwards through, 
Um, I don't really have any, you know, Holy Grail comics that I absolutely must have or must need. Rodrigo, what about you? Cool. Nope. Are you sure? <laughs> what about X-Men Volume 2, number 345? Which was? The first appearance of Maggot. I'm pretty sure I have that. About about X-Men Volume 2, number 76, The Origin of Maggot. I'm, I think I have that too. Is he, does he look really skinny in it? Yeah. Yep, have it. Uh, what about Teenage Mutant I might, you know, I might be one. interested. I might be interested in the old Morlock stuff, like where, uh, um, watch my dig it. Uh, Angel got his, got his wings play. ripped out, you know, first. X-Men Volume 1, number 170 or so. Yeah, you know, first introduction, like the early Morlock stuff, first introductions of like uh, Marrow and, you know, maybe that whole feud with Storm because I am interested in that group of characters. You know, maybe that one where Storm actually rips out her heart, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat style. Mortal Kombat! But even yeah, that, like, that was eh. Mohawk Storm too. Yeah, if I can find it in trade, I'm good for that. Last question. Cool. What will be the biggest spoiler of 2011? Oh, uh, Flash Thompson is, uh, no. Um, Superman is actually gay in the next, no. Um, Christopher Nolan is actually a robot uh, who was uh, created to channel Frank Miller, no. Uh, <laughs> Lindsay Lohan is actually a man. <laughs> <laughs> biggest spoiler of 2011. Copyright when you 2011, it. Matthew. You'll know it when you see it. That's what I got to say. Rodrigo? Um. Well, my I don't know that my parents necessarily... I think they do now, but at first they didn't actually understand what a spoiler was. So they were like, are you the major spoilers? I was like, yeah, I guess <laughs> you can call us the major spoilers. So really, the biggest spoiler of 2011 has to be Matthew, just because he's the right. biggest one of us. Yeah, I'm like 385 now. Yeah. Woo. Oh, it's winter. See, uh, Hugh Jackman has to bulk up for the next uh, Wolverine movie. He's got to bulk up to 210 He has pounds. to get a really huge Ackman, if you know what I mean. Before we get out of here this week, let's soup. have... Let's have one more mad rhyme from uh, Swampy T and another one from the uh, Demon Etrigan. Matthew, go. Break it down. <gasps> Wiki. Yeah, let me tell you about this swamp thing. He's the boss. He an MVP like Randy Moss because he actually made of Moss. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for I'll joining us. I'll get the seven digits weekend. from your mother for a dollar tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us for another weekend of Major Spoilers Craziness. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk Oko, the cycle of water from uh, uh, Archaea. Uh, just Archaea. Uh, why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. We'll talk with you then. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers Forum. 
You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman. I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm Stark Raven rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers is copyright 2011 Oh, 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 O'Reilly you need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 